So Dave, when do you remember? When did we meet? Year-wise, I'm, I'm, well, I was doing news radio, mm-hmm. so it was mm, was it like ninety six? Ninety six. I think right. around ninety six. When did we make the wrong guy? Because that was right around then. Yeah, because that's right. when we first yeah, met. Because yeah, I met. Because yeah. I remember we were uh, we had gotten Jay Kogan and and David Higgins and I. We'd, we'd sold yes. the script and yes. we were producing. Yes. And uh, and we were meeting with directors. Uh-huh. And one of the directors on the list was yourself. Oh, that's good. Which for me, I just kept, I think I actually s- sent a message to my father saying, uh, Dad, I'm going to be interviewing David Steinberg for a job. <laughs> He's the one looking for the job. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's an odd situation. And it was like, was, yeah, it was like, you know, because one of my, my heroes growing up in comedy. Oh, thank you. I just couldn't get over the fact that... <laughs> I, you know, I'm a kid from Etobicoke, yeah. and I'm going to meet with David Steinberg, and I'm yes. going to try and act like a producer. Yes, and and the sadness that I actually needed the job. <laughs> oh, that's the best part for us. <laughs> yes, and that turned out to be the wrong guy. Yes, which is, it's an iconic film in some ways. It isn't is. It? It is a, a much beloved absolute failure. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, yes. Explain why it was that. Everyone who has seen the movie loves yeah. it. Yes, it's like a movie, and especially in the comedy community here the, in yes. LA. Yes, comedy writers and comedy people. Everyone yeah. has seen it, and people just love it. They think it's a great yeah. comedy. Yes. But when we, while we were making it, in I think in the middle of making it, we were yes. shooting it in Canada. Yeah. The Walt Disney Company. Uh, you may have heard of them. They folded our branch of Walt Disney. Yeah which was Hollywood Pictures. Hollywood Pictures was their yeah, yeah. A, a signature branch. Yeah. And so then in the middle of our shooting... They shut it down. They shut it down and it was gone. Yes, they fired, and so we kept shooting. We just kept on doing it. No, but they were our American distributor. Yes. And, there was, and then they reopened Hollywood Pictures with somebody new running it. Yes. And the person who was running it then decided he was just going to shelve everything that the other guy had, <laughs> had greenlit. Yes. So anything that guy had in production was just was just put away away. well he didn't want to release it because if he released and it did well the other guy would get credit but if he released and it did poorly he would get the blame yes and if they sold it to somebody else and it did well he'd get blamed for that so they just so they just basically avoided making eye contact whenever (laughs) we tried to get the movie back from them yeah (laughs) yeah it was incredible because it was a parody of Hitchcock yes yeah and uh, and you played the wrong the wrong guy. Yes, a man uh, who wrongly believes he's wanted for murder that nobody thinks he committed. Yeah, and you're you're on the run from nobody. Yes, all the time. <laughs> yes, and panicked by everybody who looks at you and whatever <laughs> yeah. happens. Right. Yeah, it's rare when you do when you have too much of a good time or even a good mm. time. <laughs> yeah, th- those those are the ones that usually don't you know don't go anywhere and not are respected. Ironically, we got a lot of respect for the wrong guy. Yes, yeah. From, from the comedy community. Yeah. we held screenings on our own. Yes. So before before that, you were doing uh, news radio? Yeah, I was yeah. working on news radio. Well, it was weird because I was working on news radio. And at the same time, I was writing The Wrong Guy with Jay and Dave yeah. Higgins. I was also it's going back and forth and writing brain candy with the other kids in the hall oh so you're working on brain candy so i was working on that at the same time yeah yeah yeah. it was just two very different experiences and describe kids in the hall for an an american audience that won't know about um i I would say unpleasantly madcap 
<laughs> my description of our comedy style well it was it was second city-ish in some way because of mm. the improvisation yeah but it was much more outrageous and silly and yeah it, yeah, it was it was and a big hit in it was Canada. kind of surreal and yeah. uh dark at times and uh, we did a lot of like sort of uh what people called gender bending back then because we did a lot of drag yeah and and one of one of the members of the troop was gay but all of the members of the troop would play gay characters yeah and uh and so we were always like you, you you constantly have like two men kissing one would be dressed as a woman or they'd both be men or they'd both be women and <laughs> you know it was all the sort of things that back in the uh you know early 90s were forbidden on tv <laughs> yeah you know that yeah. was like this, this was we were doing this at the same time that uh 30 something almost got pushed off the air for having two men in bed together. Oh, really? Oh, yes, right. You know, It's amazing how far we've come from yeah, that. It's but, her, yeah, it's but Kids in the Hall is uh, an iconic show in Canada. I mean, every, yeah. every, everyone knows it. It's one, of, it's one of those shows. Yeah, I guess we're happily in the, in the lineage with, you know, SCTV. And, yes, right. You know, right. and uh, I guess Wayne and Schuster. <laughs> it, yes, I'm, gonna, I'm just thinking it was the Wayne and Schuster of its day. Yes. See, yeah. see I actually remember Wayne and Schuster in mm-hmm. their day. You, you were a baby, but I, I rem- yeah, I remember them in their sort of the their fading days. Their fading yeah. days, yeah, yeah. yeah no, I I listened to them on radio in Winnipeg, and I just uh, laughed at them. As well, ten years old, eight eight or nine, ten years old. They were the yeah. funniest. They were edgy. They were they were, <laughs> they were edgy. edgy. <laughs> yeah, and then they did the Ed Sullivan show about. 19 times and yeah, yeah. people really got sick of them at that yeah. point <laughs> <laughs> yeah we used to hand over like half the show to them right you yeah, give yeah. them like 20 minutes yeah. to do a sketch yeah yeah so what's the ideal a sitcom here was that would be ideal for you right for me to yeah. do a sitcom in la yeah yeah because i like living yeah. here <laughs> yes it's easier to live here than in toronto it's very nice or yeah. winnipeg yes yeah. yes yeah winnipeg it's winnipeg is a brutal place to go yeah i don't know what guy madden's problem is <laughs> yeah, yes exactly why he stays well, he likes it so kevin mike well kevin mcdonald from the kids in the hall lives in winnipeg oh, now oh really yeah he yeah he uh he met a met a girl and mo- moved to winnipeg to be with her and her kids <laughs> and uh and i just it's just the craziest thing in the world to do by choice and, yes. I mean, you were born there. You couldn't uh, yeah. be held no, responsible. No, I, I had no choice. Yeah. I was born, I think they put skates on me when I was eight months old. Yeah. <laughs> to get ready for it because yeah. it's icy and cold. Yes. But it's a big comedy town, Winnipeg. Not that anyone really cares about it, but it, it has become... Yeah, they, well, they have the comedy festival comedy there. festival, yeah. comedy center and all that. So you wrote, did you have an instinct to want to write more? I mean, you wrote, you wrote Kids in a Hall and you wrote the wrong guy. I mean, you're always writing. I wanted to be a writer as yes. a kid. That's what I thought. I never thought about being a comedian. Uh-huh. You know, but I thought I, I, I would write, I thought I would eventually write, you know, humorous humorous stories and maybe novels. Uh, <laughs> like but, Stephen Leacock. Yes, yes. He was yeah, a Canadian. Gentle humor yes. tales. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then uh, I found out how much easier it is to just perform. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, you don't have to write. You don't oh. have to agonize over it. No. Yeah, writing's awful. Who influenced you at that point? One person was you, which is to, <laughs> totally. I'm not just being. Uh, I'm not just being kind. Oh, thank you. You know, but it's true. No, I, because I, you were uh, such. You were an anomaly. Yes. When I was a child, you were a famous Canadian. Yes. You were exactly. a famous Canadian. You were famous in the United States, and you, you yeah. know, we'd see you on TV all the time. I remember you had your own your own variety show on CBS. Yes. yes. And, 
and which we watched every week. That's the and David Steinberg show. David Ste- yes, <laughs> and then you came, and then you are the only guy ever who came back. Yes, you came back to Canada. I did, and yeah. did a series uh, for CTV. Yeah. Uh, also, I believe called the. <laughs> The David Steinberg Show. Yes, I was not. I'm not, <laughs> not good at not good not at titles. Good at titles at all. <laughs> yeah, well, the David Steinberg Show and the Wrong Guy that we did together. Those are my two favorite things. The the Wrong Guy is one of those rare, frustrating things that oh, yeah. happened because it was so tied up in the business uh, sort of like uh, uh, yeah just the, the just the machinations, machinations of different of egos so many things and, that could go wrong yeah there was no ownership that we could even yeah get someone to buy it for us yeah it's like it's owned by it. several debt yeah. collectors yeah, i think at this point yeah yeah. So we can't even, yeah, can't even get the rights to it to to do anything with it. No, now. no. I I have hundreds of them in the back room. Oh, I do. T- I do t- well, I don't. Well, yeah. my, my ex-wife Chrissy has them in the garage. Yeah, yeah we yeah. we gathered as many as we could. <laughs> yeah, and then fortunately we showed it around town. So that that. Yes. A lot yes. Now. And uh, yeah, I know. I I th- and, you know definitely. I think if the movie had come out. I might have had a film career. <laughs> might have been oh, that might have been oh, nice. Yeah, that was that was a perfect Dave Foley yeah. movie. Well, I remember when Mike Mike Myers came to see one of the screenings, mm-hmm. and I think this was just about before he'd done the Austin Powers movies, mm-hmm. and he saw it and he came out and after he just said, "Oh, you did it! You made you made the kind of movie that we've always talked about making. You did it." This was that you know that genre of movie that, that yes. we always wanted. Yes, like the early Steve Martin movies. Yes, and, yeah. You know. Well, and also if you knew the kind of if you knew any Hitchcock at all yes which at that time an audience did yeah yes yeah we used every every little device yeah. that he used yes at that well. point he was merely irrelevant he hadn't <laughs> been erased yet exactly <laughs> exactly so wayne and schuster you watched and yeah, certainly american schuster. shows as a kid i remember watching watching laugh well this kid watching laugh in yeah. And at the same time watching Monty Python because we got all the, in Canada we got all the British shows yes, as yes, well. Yeah. So you'd get the good yeah, like getting, Python and getting Monty Python ahead of everybody. That's yes. ideal. Yeah, we had it in 60 when did it go on the air? 67? Yes, yes. Yeah, so we had it in 67 when it first yeah, went on the air. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, and my parents used to keep us up to watch it. Right. You know, when I was like, you know, 4 4 or 5 years old. Yeah. Did you ever hear the Goon Show? The yes, radio? I love the Goon Show. I didn't. I didn't learn about the Goon Show till later on when I was yeah. like about twenty. Yeah, the Goon Show is a radio show. Yes, that had Spike Milligan and Peter Sellers and, and Harry Seacom. Harry Seacom, yeah. Yep. And it was a group of people that were like Monty Python and mm-hmm. and and any of us, Second City. They, but they were amazingly smart yes and, and uh, anarchic and, and, and anarchic and silly as could be yeah it was so funny that yes Mike Milligan was tearing apart the medium of radio back then <laughs> yes, <laughs> like yes. just completely dismantling yeah like what a radio show was I went to England in I'm trying to think of what year it must be now it would it would have been it would have been 64 something mm-hmm. like that and Second City was in in England, oh yes, and yeah. um, and I already been co- sort of controversial politically at Second City more than anyone else. I mm-hmm. for some reason, like, <laughs> yeah. to, me, to me, it wasn't being controversial. It was just how yeah how, how my mind went. How yeah, what you thought what, was what funny. I wanted yeah, what I <laughs> yeah. thought was funny, and. Uh, so I had started to develop these sermons that I would do, and mm-hmm. the way in which it worked, I've taken suggestion from the audience of an Old Testament character, yeah. and I would improvise on it. <laughs> yeah. And I actually would improvise. Yeah. So I did that the one night that we came there 
to, and we replaced Spike Milligan and a Michael White production. So we got a great audience because we they had heard about us from, you know, in London, they heard about us from Chicago, and I did the sermon. And went, well, everything I did seemed mm-hmm. to be the same as everything I was doing. Yeah. And then the next night I came back, and there was a very good review for the show, and we were very excited about it. And uh, as we were about to go on stage, there were police there, <laughs> and they said, no, no. And I thought this was a joke of some kind, mm-hmm. maybe like Monty Python and Spike Milligan set it up. I couldn't understand it. And they said, you can't do your sermons. Well, my sermons are controversial, but not like by English standards. <laughs> yeah. And I said, why? Because you have to submit everything that you're going to say on stage in theater in London to the Lord Chamberlain. The Lord Chamberlain was an office. I, I imagined a guy with one of those big wigs. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. There and yeah. Oh, that's and, funny. That yeah. But I hope he has gout. <laughs> <laughs> but the point was, I could do anything over and over and over again. But if I improvised it, uh-huh. they were going to shut us down. <laughs> Really? So I thought, this is the most ridiculous thing. And it was like, we were in the West End. It was like, I'm yeah. Broadway. Oh, so, <laughs> the improv yeah, itself yeah, was illegal. Exa- improv was illegal. <laughs> Which, let's face it, most of the time it should be. A lot. A yeah. lot of it. I, no, yeah. I, I give you that. Yeah. So I went on stage the next night, and uh, and the producer there, Michael White, said, you know, don't let's not do the sermon. And I said, well, why why should we give in to the Lord Chamberlain? I was just a <laughs> young little putz that I mm-hmm. thought I I had a yeah. presence there that I that would support me, and I asked for a suggestion from the audience. And they gave me a rare suggestion that I would get occasionally, which was I would ask for an Old Testament personality, and they gave me Onan, who's sort of the god of masturbation. (laughs) (laughs) Some smart person in the audience suggested Onan. Onanism is that. Yes, yes. Yes. I'm a a fan. Of course. course. (laughs) On those lonely nights in Canada. So I said to the man in the audience, I can't do... Onan for you tonight, but I suggest you go home and do it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Lights came off. We were thrown off the air. So innocent wow. by comparison to time now. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And is that where you? Is that when you first got the idea of bringing down the Smothers Brothers? <laughs> yes, it was in the back I of my do this mind. Again. Yes. <laughs> They're so innocent, even by comparison to the times. Yeah. But it's just religion. If you really want Couldn't to be in touch trouble, on it you can't all, do yeah. anything on religion. Someone well, will go crazy. E- well, even when we were doing Kids in the Hall, it was like religion was the stuff that would get would get censored. But like, what kind of thing would you do? That well, we you- did a thing called the Doctor Seuss Bible. Uh, where, yes. which was the finale of our first season. It was the last sketch of the last episode of our first season. Uh-huh. Essentially, it was me dressed in a, the cat in the hat, top hat, uh-huh. uh, giving basically a sermon, uh, <laughs> but in Dr. Seuss first, basically telling the uh, the passion play. Oh, it's great. That's great. <laughs> and, you know, then it ends with Scott on a multicolored, you know, we put him into Sam Zittle's crucifixion machine. <laughs> and, uh, and it ends with, you know, the HBO finally ran it, but they uh-huh. insisted on cutting the shot out of the nails going in. <laughs> 
<laughs> but too but, tactile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but CBC uh, wouldn't let us run it at all. Mm-hmm. So instead, we we <laughs> shot another scene that went in its place. That was just a complete gibberish scene. Yes, it was literally just Bruce and I coming out on stage and walking around, funny, going a roomba, a roomba, a roomba, a roomba, <laughs> and Mark doing weird little verses. And it was like basically just a, a fuck you to the CBC <laughs> yes. for not letting us yes. do our do yeah. the sketch we wanted to do. Yes. Yeah, the CBC is an odd, uh, because it's a government-controlled uh, network. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very odd because I, I wanted them to uh, do inside comedy. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, is it a Canadian show? <laughs> you know, I, talked, well, I, I am a Canadian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've never burnt my passport. Uh, yeah, you yeah. Know, I'm proud of it. Martin Short is in it. You would have mm-hmm. been in it. Everyone, yeah, there are Canadians in it. They said, nah, it's not really Canadian enough. Yes. They wouldn't even really look at it yeah. beyond. <laughs> I know. It's, they still, they keep, still do keep, that keep Canadian say, thing. No, it's, Canadian is something made by Canadians. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter what the content. If it's made by Canadians, it's you, Canadian. Yeah, you'd think they would get that by now. Yeah. Yeah. Because Americans don't have that. Americans still, what makes this an American show? <laughs> Yes, yes. You know, yeah. Just, just like, like yeah. Do you talk about America in this show at all? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's that uh, cultural inferiority complex that Canada yeah. seems to have because yeah. it's not America. But... Which yeah, which which gave rise to Bob and Doug McKenzie. Yes, that's why those characters exist. Exactly. The hosers, because the, the cause, hosers, because yeah. when SCTV went to CBC from Global, yes, in Canada, the CBC said you've got to make the show more Canadian. And that was their response. <laughs> they they built a fifty dollar set. These two dopey guys yeah. drinking beer, drinking and... beer and, and eating back bacon. <laughs> yeah, and that I've was back and that was it. Yeah, and that was their Canadian you know, the Canadian corner with uh, Bob and Doug McKenzie. And it had a long scroll at the end of it explaining, you know, thanking all the Canadian <laughs> funding sources. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's amazing because the government should never get involved in deciding what comedy things that no. should be used. Yes, but in Canada, it's such a small country that uh, mm. their fingers are in every pie. I know culturally. Although I, I have to say, though, for us, because we were on CBC in Canada and HBO in the states at first, then we left HBO and went to CBS in the states. So we had always had like a censored version of the show and an uncensored version of the show. Uh-huh. So then when we went to CBS in the States, we thought, oh, well, there goes the uncensored version. Uh-huh. And But Yvonne Fassin, who ran CBC at the time, yes. said basically for us, created late prime oh, and great. new rules for it. So the show went on after 10. And they said the rules for after 10 are there's no censorship after 10. Oh, that's very cool. So they basically created an uncensored slot for our show. That's fabulous. Yeah, so we still still got to do an uncensored version of every sketch all the way through. That's fabulous. Yeah, well, you're you're iconic in Canada. You guys, all of them, because people remember that with such fondness. If they were kids, they remember it. Yeah, and I I meet a lot of kids who their parents would sit and watch it with them, make them watch it as soon as they became teenagers. That became became like a Canadian... uh, yeah. That's a Canadian bar mitzvah, I think. Now, <laughs> yeah. Today you will watch the kids in the hall. Yes. So your kids, tell me about your kids. What kind of dad? How are you at the daddy uh, thing? With my daddy, or, no. or as a daddy? Oh, well, give, give, me, give me both. Start, uh, start with your daddy. Well, I my dad. Well, for, well, I always forget to ask about the like. My dad was interesting. Tell, tell me about your dad. Well, my dad was for, in most objective regards. Terrible. <laughs> he was not a good father. The best he could come up with 
to describe himself is that he believed that he uh, parented with what do you call it beneficent neglect. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't even have that firm hand, which would have had him involved with you. No, no, yeah, he wasn't. No, he had anger. Every once in a while, there'd just be anger. <laughs> yes, but mostly there was just just non non presence. <laughs> do you have brothers, sisters? I've got. Yeah, I've got a brother. I have an older brother and sister and a younger brother. Yeah, it's amazing. I've known you for so long, and I've never known about your <laughs> other brothers and yeah, sisters. Yeah, I'm not that. Actually, the only one I still speak to is my older brother. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My sister and my younger brother are both sociopaths, so <laughs> try to avoid any contact with them. Oh, good for comedy. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Yes. And my dad was uh, a borderline personality disorder. And and uh, how, how did it cross over into the disorder part? Like and the disorder, the ho- angry and hollering. Angry, hollering, alcoholic. Alcoholic. Uh, yeah. Very self-centered, yes. very egomaniacal. Would disappear for years at a time. Wow. Sometimes, yeah. Uh, very depressed all the time, constantly, constantly threatening suicide. Uh-huh. When you're 10 and you're blasé about suicide threats. <laughs> yes, you know that you've been yeah. hardened, mm, yeah. hardened a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Someday I'm just going to kill myself. What? That? Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and then oddly enough, when I grew up and turned twenty, I went out and uh, started living with a woman who was a borderline personality disorder. Oh, really? Yes, That's... I didn't know my dad had borderline until my my first wife and I split up, and then my uh, my mother. I said, "Oh, well, we're splitting up. She's been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder." And my mom goes, "Oh, that's what they said your father had. <laughs> they told me I should leave him. He'd never get better." <laughs> so the, I guess they thought you must miss the borderline personality in your life. So <laughs> yeah, I needed. Well, I needed, I needed to prove it could be fixed. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he was yeah terrible father, but loved comedy. I gotta say that our family yeah. comedy took the place of actual interaction in our family. <laughs> so we you could watch. agree on something, yes. or at least laugh at something together. Oh yeah, and we all watched we watched comedy shows, yeah, all yeah. like all the great American shows yeah. at the time, like uh, Mash and All in the Family, and those shows were regular family viewing. But we also watched all the British shows, like you yeah. Know, the, sad, sadly, on the buses was one of them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, the the British shows are a great advantage for people. People like you and me, because mm-hmm. you, you'd get a whole other kind of comedy. Yes, sophisticated in its own way, even though it's broad and yes, you know, like the goons, Monty Python, and even more. They're yes, and they had exciting good, and they had like good sort of seventies sort of hip sitcoms, like yeah. uh, like Man About the House, yes, which was turned into uh, Three's Company in the yes. States. Yes. And, uh, but I was my dad. One of his favorite jokes was a Wayne and Schuster joke. Do you remember it? Yeah, I do, because right. it was—it's from the uh, the Caesar sketch, uh-huh. where Johnny Wayne plays a private detective investigating the murder of Caesar, and he, he walks into a bar and goes up to the bartender and says, "I'll have a Martinez," <laughs> and the bartender says, "Don't you mean a martini?" He says, "If I'd wanted two, I would have ordered two. <laughs> <laughs> And my very, dad loved that's that very joke. very funny. Yeah. yeah. My dad just loved that yeah. joke. And he would always, you know, because he would always boast about Wayne and Schuster. Oh, on, on The Tonight Show. Oh, not The Tonight Show. On The, uh, you, it was The Tonight Show we would boast about. Yes. Uh, yeah. But on the, uh, yeah, on The Ed Sullivan Show. Yeah, yeah. They were on Ed Sullivan all the time, doing Shakespeare. More than parody. anybody, yeah. 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 So he had, so he loved uh, their old stuff. I was at a roast once for someone and Ed Sullivan was uh, on the panel and uh, I had to think of something to say about him I didn't really know him Mm -hmm. I was the the host I think it was uh, Carson Roast at the time and I said uh, so Ed out of what 20 million Canadians 
Wade and Schuster? <laughs> <laughs> and I got the biggest laugh from the audience. They were applauding me and cheering me. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ed, Ed wasn't happy about that. But, but, but yet they were my idols because I, as a 9-year-old, 10-year-old, 12-year-old, I never, Thursday night, I never missed them. Yeah, they were fam- they yeah. Got famous Canadians. Canadians. <laughs> we didn't have many. No, yeah. no. Yeah, that was, and that's the other thing. We could never watch the Smothers Brothers or the Smothers Brothers could never be mentioned without my dad telling everyone the story again of how you had them got them canceled <laughs> yes a canadian got yes, them canceled yes. david steinberg got them canceled <laughs> and he would you know he would explain the bit and <laughs> your name could never come up without my dad telling that story <laughs> yes in any context yeah well it, it, it was a badge that i wear still to yeah stay, yeah, stay yeah proudly yeah, pretty impressive yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so given your wish to do anything you're a writer yeah you're a writer and you could direct easily so why don't you go back to Canada and do your own show where you do that like Gene Levy's uh, yeah it, but I would like to I've tried okay, <laughs> you know yeah. we tried once. yeah we tried yes yeah. we did we tried with something that actually worked and we couldn't get a release yeah I know and it's like one of the things we're going I don't understand and then you see the people that they, they will hire to do shows up there like like Eugene is an anomaly yes because uh, he actually is amazingly talented and funny yes right and they don't usually like to give shows to guys like that in Canada. No, they, you know, they prefer people that are more controllable, that uh, are less threatening. Yeah. Yes, I, I think the perfect Canadian showrunner is somebody who's gone to the United States, had almost no success at all, and then come back. But <laughs> yeah. but they have a credit on an American show. Yes, exactly. You know, something they can put yeah. in the press release. Yes, but but he has no discernible skills, <laughs> and will make no demands on anyone. <laughs> So that's the perfect Canadian show, right? Yes. <laughs> but yeah. somebody who's actually come to the States and sort of made a name for themselves yes. and has a, you know, and has a, a body of work. Yeah. Mm, that's, that's taboo. Yeah, taboo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Martin, you know, everyone of our friends, Martin Short and everyone that we know, they always love to go back to Canada. Yeah. You know, it's, go to Canada to work and all that. Well, they all tried to stay. Yeah. I remember, yeah. I remember talking to Eugene years and years ago, and he said, yeah, we all tried to stay in Canada and make shows in Canada, and nobody would nobody would talk to us yes. <laughs> after, yeah. after SCTV was done. Yeah. And I thought, that's just crazy. Yeah. But then when the Kids in the Hall ended, the exact same thing happened to us. It was like I had literally offers on the table from, from U.S. networks, mm-hmm. and, and I thought, well, I should see what there is in Canada that I can do. And called around Canadians, and I couldn't get a meeting. It's really ridiculous. <laughs> you know, yeah. one company said, well, we have some one-hour shows that maybe we could turn into half-hours. And I was going, yeah. no, no, I, I'll write something. Oh, I don't know if we'd be interested in that. Oh, God. <laughs> it's so odd. It's yeah. so odd because Kids in the Hall was iconic in Canada as they're turning you down when you've done nothing wrong. Yes. But be successful and creatively yeah. successful as well. Yes. And at the same time, I'm like turning down offers from the U.S. Yes. <laughs> you yeah. know. So, yeah. How did your shows come about? Like, how did news radio come about? Well, News Radio was written for me oh. uh, by a guy named Paul Sims, who was a great writer. He was yeah, like a Larry writer. Sanders producer yeah. and really great writer. And I'd met him at a party when I was in town making a movie called It's Pat mm-hmm. uh, years ago. So we met and uh, we talked. And so he wrote this pilot, but he forgot to tell me about it. Uh-huh. And this was at the same time I was saying that I was, you know, the Kids in the Hall had just ended and I was getting offers. And I had this offer from CBS to do a pilot. I'd been turning it down for about six months. Mm-hmm. 
And but now I still hadn't found anything else to do. I hadn't found another job. Yeah, I was going. Oh, I think I'm gonna have to take that CBS show. Uh-huh. And and I kept and I kept saying the CBS I kept saying I don't think I'm right for this part. I think I you know I think I look too young for the character for one thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I, I'm really right for this. But they kept saying, No, we really want you for this. We really want you. It'll it'll be perfect. And so I said, oh, okay, all right, I'll take it. So I signed to do the CBS show. The very next day, Paul Sims calls me up and goes, what are you up to? And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I, I've, I've got this pilot with NBC, and I want you to star in it. I wrote it for you. Wow. And I said, well, if you'd asked me yesterday, yes, yes. I would have said yes, but I, I just signed to do a pilot for CBS. Unbelievable. And so then I, you know, so I, I thought, well, you know, we'll see what happens and I said I, you know, I can't get out of this uh-huh. so I went down to, to do the pilot and they were for the casting sessions they were trying to cast my, my, uh, my wife for the show it was a mm-hmm. show where I was supposed to play a school teacher mm-hmm. and um, you know it was going to be a show with a lot of kids in it too you know <laughs> so really not suited to me uh, and after the first day of trying, to, of trying to cast my wife I get the call that I've been fired <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. I get that CBS decided that I wasn't right for the part that uh, they that I looked too young uh-huh. and I wasn't believable as the school teacher and they couldn't find a woman who was believable as my wife. That's great. So I said I said well, all right that's that's fine. Yeah. Uh Good news. I agree with you. (laughs) And so I called up Paul Sims and said, have you cast the the part of Dave yet? And uh, and he said, no, we haven't. No, we know. And I said, well, great. I'm free now. I'd love to do it. And uh, he said, great. All right. I'll I'll get the word around. And as soon as the executives at the people at CBS found out that I was walking over to do an NBC show, they started calling up everyone at NBC and saying, don't work with this guy. Really? They started, yeah, I can't remember the name of the guy. Who, there was one executive in particular who kept calling over and, and saying, oh, you can't work with this. It's very difficult to work with. Wow. Uh, it doesn't get along well with other actors. You'll never be anything better than maybe the wacky next door neighbor. Wow. And so don't work with them. Absolutely. And so this message got to Bernie Brillstein and Brad Gray, and they were worried. They were going to Paul. Well, Paul, we got all these bad reports from this on this guy. <laughs> Why do you want, you sure we want to work with this guy? Yes. And Paul was saying, yeah, yeah. And he said, so then I finally, I had to come in and audition for Bernie and Brad and and um, Sandy Warnick. Sandy, Sandy Warnick was there too. Yes. Uh, and and but and Paul's bringing me in up to his house <laughs> to uh, to prepare for this audition. We're like going over it over and over and over it and like getting really getting it down. And went, this was a show written for me. All I had to do was walk into it. And suddenly I'm like, I'm, I'm, I suddenly have this worst reputation in Hollywood. Were you, uh, were you aware of the fact that CBS was doing that? Oh yeah. You yeah. Were. That's Paul called me up and told me, you gotta, you gotta know these guys are saying all this, this, wow. sh- this shit about you. Wow. And I was going, wow, I can't believe. And just to me, it was like, I, you know, I was going, wow, show business really is like show business. <laughs> yes, yeah. They really don't want me they, to go over and be successful somewhere yeah. else after they fired yes. me. E- even though you, they didn't want you. They, yeah. They don't want you to go anywhere else. Yeah, they didn't want me to go anywhere else. And then they, they also tried to get out of paying me for the pilot that they fired me oh, from. Oh, God, that's which I said, they, Which I said, no, no, you have to pay me. Yeah, <laughs> at least. Yeah, so, so I went in, I auditioned and auditioned again. And, you know, then I had to do the network and studio tests uh yeah. you know and and eventually you know got the job God. of playing me yes. <laughs> written for you anyway yeah well, but it was crazy. yeah but i but i'd never uh, experienced that before yeah that that yeah. uh 
it, you never know. You just don't know yeah. what's going on because a lot of times it's not talented people mm. who are making a decision on talented people. Yes. So they not? make it bureaucratic and by yeah. the numbers and you know if, if if there's too much money we have to pay for this and we if we heard this bad rumor he could cause us a lot of time. Or yeah. Sooner. It's it's amazing how those yeah and, and rumors was, fly around and, and kill I would people. have never known like if I wasn't from friendly terms with Paul Sims I'd have yes. never known the reason for it. Yeah. You know, it would have yeah. just been, oh, sorry. Yes, which is worse. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but because Paul, because Paul wrote it for me, yes. wanted me to do it, he told me what was going on, and yeah, and you know, and helped me, and, and ah, but show business. Yeah, nothing like it. <laughs> but then I got the show, and it was a critical success and a ratings failure. <laughs> so there you go, NBC. <laughs> Well, you are legendary in Canada, and you're loved by your friends, me especially, and the most fun to work with. I, on on the wrong guy, I don't think I've ever laughed that much. And no. You're so surprising in every way. And your approach is so unique. I'm, I'm, oh. I'm just a fan. Why, and, thank you. <laughs> and and, and uh, thank you so much for doing this. Day. Oh, thanks for having me. It's always always a delight to see you. Here's a scene from the brilliant movie, The Wrong Guy, which no one would distribute. Just need your name for our records. My name? Mm. My name. My name is... Jones. Mr. Enemabag Jones. That's not your name. You're simply lying to me. Right. Sorry. My real name is Harris. Dr. Helen Harris. No, that's my name. You're probably still a little out of it from the toxins. I'll check back on you in 15 minutes. 